This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast, formerly known as the Site Visibility Podcast, produced by the team behind Brighton SEO. I'm Kelvin Newman, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Cheryl Crossley and Sarah Jane Taylorson to discuss how to deliver results with online PR. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Yeah, we've got a really interesting session, like conversation lined up for you here today. Um, I mean, one of the topics that I find really interesting, and it's been a trend over, I suppose, probably 10 or so years, really, is the kind of real combination of how online PR, social media marketing, um, SEO, and all these areas that perhaps might in days gone by have been seen as quite separate and siloed and separate. There's been far more kind of opportunity to cross-pollinate people from different backgrounds, um, picking up all of those different skill sets. So I'm really excited and interested to welcome two great guests today to talk about online PR and some of the things that are happening in that space, some of the... Um, emerging trends the fundamentals that are still there that are all really important and generally just kind of give you a bit of a whistle stop tour of what's going on in online pr but yeah cheryl could i get you to just sort of like very briefly introduce yourself tell us a bit about your background and how you came to be kind of working in the space sure yeah yeah i'm cheryl i'm the head of pr at idhl group um i've been in pr for about 14 15 years started off very traditional in a tiny little agency um and then have kind of moved more into the digital sphere about sort of five six years ago so yeah it's as you said um Kelvin it's been a weird sort of evolution and transition of, of PR over time um and I'm sure we'll chat about it more but I'm definitely seeing more of a return to traditional uh behaviors over just like purely SEO led things so yeah uh, really really interesting to to see how PR's uh, evolved and how about yourself Sarah Jane yeah, um, so I'm a digital PR consultant at North, um, which is a Newcastle-based agency. Um, I've been working in sort of general marketing, more into PR, uh, sort of five years, slightly over. Um, mm. Got my master's in media and PR, um, which was very much a traditional kind of course, um, looking at like the real fundamentals of PR. Um, and yeah, I kind of just fell into the digital PR side of things. So I've been um, agency side for coming up three, three years now. Um, but yeah, I totally agree um, with what Cheryl was saying there. Like even just in those three years, I'm seeing a lot of the things that I was taught kind of at uni in the more traditional sense come back into the digital PR world and the SEO side. So yeah, it's a really interesting time, I think. Mm. And is that is that a, still a useful distinction? You think that kind of digital as like a prefix or prefix? How do you actually say that? I don't know. The word that comes before. <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of like it's that is is like online PR, digital PR, is that still kind of a, a useful like moderator to have in front of things? Mm -hmm. Or are you actually finding that actually that's like a, you know, a, a hangover or a throwback now in terms of like the work that you're involved in? I think it's quite useful to have still because I think PR is such a broad umbrella term for loads of different things. And I think without mm -hmm. the digital, people sort of assume that you can do everything like the kind of more niche PRs like crisis comms and lobbying and there's a, I kind of think with the digital you're sort of managing expectations a bit around the fact that you are on largely doing online storytelling um but as we were saying before some of the traditional aspects of kind of PR storytelling are coming back through into digital I don't think it's just about backlinks anymore for the sake of backlinks it's very much about 
relevancy and quality and and uh key message penetration and, and things as well so it's like i kind of call it like pr plus but i don't think that that's right either like <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's really, yeah interesting about framing it, isn't it it's kind of and again sort of i think sometimes when you're you're working in-house and you're setting job titles or responsibilities or you're working in agency and sort of describing services that you've got this ability to be able to narrow or like you know yeah have a bit of a focus in terms of all it could be all of these things mm. and it's these particular ones is often a, a useful kind of approach to go down there is that sarah have you have you kind of like got a similar view there that like actually it's a you know a, a different it, it, digital pr is different from just pr yeah i think i definitely i know there can be a bit of contention about this as well because i think a lot of people who've been in the pr industry maybe struggle with the fact that there's a differentiation now when we are doing a lot of the same things um but i think it is helpful like cheryl says like obviously from our point of view we work with clients and it really depends on what clients are wanting you know sometimes it's just a brand awareness thing and they're very much looking at what we can do from a traditional point of view but if you're really getting into the nitty-gritty of seo and organic performance then that's when the digital label really helps because that kind of sets you apart with that expertise as well which you might they might not have had from other agencies or in-house um so i do think yeah i think there's definitely elements of the traditional that are coming back in, but I do think it's it's not going to go in terms of like having the label on them that way. And what are some of the outcomes you might see from kind of a, a like a, a digital PR campaign? Kind of what are the you know the things that you know there might be the reasons why people are coming to you, but might also be kind of the unintended things that they might not appreciate. Is there a particular like here's the what a successful digital um, campaign mm. looks like? Any mm. particular things that kind of spring to mind for people who kind of maybe yeah. have a loose sense of what is but perhaps don't know kind of some of the deliverables or some of the you know good strategic outcomes that might come from a good campaign i mean i think for us um while most of the time clients come thinking that they want the output of digital pr to get backlinks to support seo actually um and that's that's often the primary primary kpi there are other things that it's contributing to so for me a successful digital pr campaign should not just get links it should get um, you know, placements, brand mentions, expert inclusions on relevant sites that are appropriate to that audience and to that brand. It should ideally include like keywords in it as organic a way as is feasibly possible. Um, it should tell a strong story, be unique and engaging. Um, and fundamentally, alongside those backlinks, it should ideally be driving website traffic if it can, if there's a strong enough kind of call to action to do that. Um, and yeah, supporting those SEO goals whilst also supporting brand goals of improving kind of awareness and perception and things as well. So I think that's probably, again, where that more traditional aspect comes in of the sort of brand side of PR. Like, I still think that we very much want to need that, but we're kind of bolstering on the um, SEO bits as well. And that they should all, in my opinion, be both very integral. Um, I think where we have had conversations with more traditionally minded PRs, the SEO element is very much an afterthought and something that they might do from time to time rather than it being something that's integral to the strategy from, from day one. So, Jane, I don't know if you've got yeah. the same mindset. Yeah, definitely. And I think like kind of even from the ideation phase, like having those goals in mind at the very beginning means that you, you're totally aligned from day one. And even if that is you know, eventually coming out to result in broadcast coverage or whatever that might be, that's fantastic. And while, you know, 
getting a slot on a radio, a radio slot or whatever might not have direct benefit from an SEO point of view. I've never known a client to be unhappy with that. Um, Very true, yeah. You know, it's it's a wonderful thing, brand awareness. And I think it's something that we're coming back to. It seems to come back like once a year, we always talk about, oh, the impact of brand mentions. Oh, it's more, it's just as important to get your brand out there as it is a link. Um, and I agree. I think it's not just about the link anymore. Um, I would argue a poor link. I would rather no link than a poor link. I'd rather a really solid brand more. mention <laughs> in a relevant publication than, you know, a link for link's sake. Um, so, yeah, I do think even that. And also, I think looking at like kind of getting people talking about the story as well. Um, I've seen some fantastic campaigns where, I mean, people are, are kind of having these conversations about broader topics on what the campaign's covered. Like it's sparking conversation Um I think that's really important and looking at the impact it has beyond online as well is, is super true. important. I, I always say like if you're in the pub and you hear someone talking about yeah. it, you're like, yes, <laughs> I've hit the jackpot. Like, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, I love when like my, my parents, bless them, they don't know much about the ins and outs of what I do, but I love when they kind of say, oh, have you seen this? And I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a digital PR campaign somebody's done. And they, it's so impressive to see it kind of come full circle back to you, I think. <laughs> Yeah, and so and you talked there about that kind of ideation process. So obviously, like in terms of this is a yeah, it doesn't just like miraculously happen, right? There's huge amounts of <laughs> work, thought, and preparation that goes into a successful campaign that yeah catches on, whether it's in online publications, offline publications, radio stations, all of that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, like you say, those conversations in the pub. How do you start that process? It's kind of like quite a blank sheet of paper potentially. Is there kind of things that you look to do, or kind of things that you know for if someone's listening, kind of going, yeah, I'd like to get a bit more kind of media attention in the loosest sense of the word um mm. and they want to get started what's some of the kind of like process you go through or techniques that you mm. use or questions that you're asking to kind of better understand the the context of delivering that type of stuff i think um for us it all kind of starts with obviously strategy is super important and we never would go into an ideation without having all that strategy in place and um, mm. so that's like looking at what's already performing on the site what have you done before that's worked or might not have worked um what kind of keywords are you hoping to target? What niches, what topics do you sit in? Um, all of those things, you kind of need to compile them and sit down and say, right, what's the key themes running under here? How can we group this? Um, where do we have experts that can talk about this topic or whatever it might be? Um, and then also it's it's a case of obviously budget is, a, is something to bear in mind as well, because if you're working with a huge budget, you can afford to maybe go with a kind of huge hero campaign and have all these assets and and be a little bit more creative and crazy when it comes to the ideation phase. Mm. Um, one of our like kind of favorite ways that we've started doing it now is looking at your core customer or your demographic and seeing like what's a big problem for them, what's a, an issue they come up with time and time again, how can you fix that in a creative way or come up with a solution for that in a creative way? Um, I always think that's a really good way to kind of get the team talking in an yeah. ideation setting. For sure. I think seasonality obviously plays a big part as well um, and understanding client kind of timing. So we've got some mm. clients that are super quick and reactive and you can turn something around in 24 hours. And we've got others that will sit on a press release for weeks and weeks. And I think, well, how seasonally, how reactive and quick can we be with the slow clients? Well, not very. So yeah. <laughs> that's always a consideration with ideation is the, the sort of speed aspect of it. <laughs> well, that's a really good way of framing though, yeah. isn't it? Is that it's not just about there's the idea is this sort of like nebulous thing, but the idea has got to be suitable for that, you know, yeah. suitable for the media needs and suitable for, sure. for the reaction. But actually yeah. like you could have two companies operating in a similar space and they 
probably you know might be targeting the same customers mm. but actually in the same media ecosystem as well but the, yeah. the, the approach that you use might be different based upon how they operate and the individuals in the team and their yeah, kind of yeah. those appetite yeah. for risk or appetite well, for very true yeah yeah, yeah. certainly the kind of brand personality i always say with the guys when we're ideating as well is it's like making sure that there's a why now angle to it so mm. even if you know the client's going to be slow if, even if it appears to be sort of an evergreen thing like how can we make sure that we can still add a topical aspect mm. to it when we're pitching out because realistically most because we are like you said so Jen, you might still get some broad press pickup or things but for the most part we are pitching to online press who work very quickly if there's mm. not a reason for them to cover it now they're not going to remember it in a week so yeah. it's that sort of how can we give them that compelling cause for placement and and yeah without that and i think getting that right is hard if it's something you've been working on for like a couple of months because yeah. <laughs> you've got to plan for that why now in two months time <laughs> and hope that you don't miss the window of opportunity yeah, and you, think- you talked there about kind of like the online publications online journalists and sort of some of the unique challenges that they face and operate mm. within that might be yeah different from you know more traditional forms of media and i suppose even more sort of changing as well i've seen a graph circulating around on on um, social media this week about kind of the number of people working in newsrooms and you know like some pads and you know like it, it could be quite hard right yeah like, yeah mm. any particular things that you've kind of note like these might be evergreen things these might be um emerging things any kind of patterns that you've seen or things that you need to do in order to kind of respond to those needs of the mm. like they're yeah you know, they're a particular group of people right um lessons that you've learned there maybe I think you oh sorry go on sorry (laughs) I was just it's kind of building off what you were saying there Cheryl the why now um journalists now are under so much pressure and like the teams are so much smaller but the amount of PRs and the amount of reactors and campaigns that are coming through their inbox every day is astonishing um and I think that why now is is so crucial because if you can't get them to even open the email in the first Mm. instance out of hundreds um it's worth bearing in mind like and it's also worth not being afraid to chase a little bit and pitch it back out again because it might just be a timing thing Mm. and just being kind of conscious that there are they are under such time pressure and I think there's much more performance culture with online journalism than there was Mm. um it's looking at kind of how many hits those articles are getting how can they replicate that kind of success so what can you do to meet them halfway to do that for them as well Um, and I suppose that's useful as well because it's sort of aligns incentives in a strange way because yeah, it is yeah. kind of like because you want you know the client wants to reach as many people as possible you want the, the work to reach as many people as possible and if they're sort of aligned around that as well so obviously everyone's kind of slightly not everyone's going to be perfectly working in the same direction but like it certainly feels like there's a conversion uh-huh. there yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point. If you're having to persuade someone to cover your story, then like how? <laughs> it's not a good yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, you're like, <laughs> how many people are going to read it? You know, uh, <laughs> we, um, I, I've been trying to encourage where possible, and I think this is very much easier said than done, particularly when there are so many PRs, is to try and establish relationships with certain journalists, and just rather than sending them a million press releases a week in a very traditional kind of press release format and sending them all individually is like say one person in my team's got a relationship with someone good it's like well they send them a bullet point list of all the content that we've got that we think might appeal to them and say like what what do you is there anything here that strikes you know strikes you and you think would engage a reader and we'll send it over rather so they're getting one email rather than 15 and then they're more likely to look out for that person in their inbox because they know that they can rely on them and that things will be supplied in the format that they want and 
I suppose it's just like you said, Sarah Jane, it's like they're so time poor. It's like, how can we be respectful of their time and give them what mm. they want and what they need in as efficient a way as possible? And I think that is a really big challenge. Um, I was really interested by like the launch of Synapse or Snaps or however the heck you say mm. it, the like pitching tool um, that came out a little while ago, because I thought that that had the potential to be really good in terms of that relationship aspect between PRs and the media and giving them what they wanted and like the sort of news um, desk style sort of format of it um, and we had some good success and then more recently less so but I suppose stuff like that lends itself very well to mm. um, that style of not bombarding treating it as like they're yeah it's a collaborative process right? yeah. so the kind yeah. of hey, we've got a thing from a client, do you want it or not? More kind of almost maybe kind of getting them involved a little bit before you've even started and doing, you know, yeah. here's yeah. my ideas. Does that really, really work? Yeah. It, I think that, that in an ideal world, we probably always do that, but I think they often don't, because they are working so reactively, um, pitching an idea that then might take like a, a week or so to then work up, mm. um, journalists have forgotten by then, understandably. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's, it is tricky and I think there's a lot of guessing going on still or kind of like mm. keeping your fingers crossed that it that it plays out. But I suppose if you've got relationships with some good people, then if I'm sending things over and they're not responding to that option and I think it should have worked for them, then I'm like, okay, what what about it wasn't compelling? They might not be explicitly telling me, but I know that there's something there that's not quite right. So that lack of feedback sometimes can be feedback enough to make action yeah. and change. And Cheryl, you mentioned like, um, yeah, kind of software and there's quite, it wow. feels like there's ever more software and tools and platforms out there to aid this process of kind of promoting brands via the media. Any kind of particular things that are kind of like you have to, you know, if you were to move to a new agency or go in-house or whatever it is, the, the things that you'd immediately be kind of like going, yeah, here's the ones I'd, I'd need in my kind of oh. toolbox, so to speak. When I started here, there weren't like any tools. And so a big thing for me has been like building up a, a tool bank. And, and I think having a media database and any PR mm. would agree that that's like absolutely essential. Mm. Um, and then I'm a big believer in response source. And again, I yeah. think it's more of a traditional kind of retro thing, but I just think it's great, mm. particularly in the times of more kind of reactive reactive media if nothing else you can see what people are asking for and that can help to steer and that's a platform things. that allows journalists yeah, to send requests yeah. exactly yeah. exactly um so they're probably be my top two and then yeah i think there are new platforms coming in like i've seen like some like ai reportingy things i mean we've got released which i love as a reporting tool i think it's quite similar to coverage book i just find it super super helpful mm -hmm. um in collating things in like a digestible like uh, visual way for clients um but yeah there's, it seems like every day there's a new tool coming through and mm. for me like particularly the media pitching ones like signups it only works if everyone's using it mm. consistently otherwise it's just you know it's well, the classic sort of social media challenge and it? it's like a network effect type thing yeah. Or like if yeah um it's why it's quite hard for new like social networks to catch on isn't it it's like if suddenly not enough people are using it it's, mm. it's tricky to do that um, and yeah. sarah jane any kind of particular ones around that kind of tools or software or uh, platforms um, that have proved helpful to you i definitely second the response source thing and i think it's something that like again a lot of people maybe don't use as much as they could um because it is a bit more of a traditional media relations kind of mm. tactic um but on the flip side of that like any kind of essential seo tools we use samrush um probably like all the time i use it daily looking at kind of 
optimizing my press releases, like what kind of anchor should we be using, what keywords need a bit of a push from a reactive point of view. Um, I think, yeah, just really marrying in with those kind of more traditional SEO tools as well from a digital point of view is, sorry, digital PR point of view is is helpful. Excellent. So, I mean, we're getting towards the the the, the, the end of where we were going to uh, wrap things up today. But I want to close off with one quick question. I really I've really enjoyed all the, the bits you shared, and particularly those, yeah, that kind of framing of the work and the tools there as well. But I'd, I'd love to finish up with like a quick question and like, sorry, Brian, this is you from Leffield. Probably should mention this before we started recording. But like a particular um, resource or like a book or a website or a news source or kind of place that you might go to that helps you do your job a little bit better in terms of kind of maybe it's around inspiration it could be directly to do with you know um, pr but it could be broader than that but any kind of particular ones i don't know if either of you immediately struck with options you can go to on that side of things but like um yeah resources that people yeah will drop it into the link to the show notes that people might be able to go off and you know get some longer term value from as well um TikTok. I mean, that's really good. Yeah, Cheryl, how are you using TikTok in terms I of I mean, like, yeah. I'm 34, 35, so I feel like I'm reaching the age where it's not really. I jokingly call it TikToker at work just to, <laughs> for all the young, <laughs> to terrify all my young teammates. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's cliche, I suppose, but fundamentally, like, is infiltrating the media landscape so much like the synergy between social and news like i think it's it's now one and all so Mm. um keeping an eye on the kind of trending topics and what people are talking about and for me it just inspires loads of content and i think like it 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 is really key Mm. um we also are encouraging clients to create like mini short form videos that can go across tiktok or that so like the publishers can put across their websites or their own social channels too so that again there's like i think there is that 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 synergy that integration between the two so much more so yeah it is cliche but tiktok i suppose flipboard i'm a big fan of as well just for like finding new stories that are really like varied and and seeing what's out there well i, well, and I think that's a really yeah. sound advice isn't it you can't just be an observer of the media landscape oh. you should be a participant in it i think that that's really kind of yeah useful yeah. yeah a reminder to have sometimes it's easy to kind of fall into the the routines of what you know might be your own personal preference um, and actually, yeah, broadening is always mm, very true. When pe- when I interview people and I'm like, "What do you read?" and they every time they're like, "The Guardian." I'm like, "You don't read the Guardian, <laughs> stop it! <laughs> like you don't. <laughs> like tell me that you read Heat magazine. That's fine." Like, <laughs> how about you, Sarah Jane? Any other particular resources that you maybe suggest that people might be able to take some extra bits away from? Yeah, um, I love the Grapevine. Um, Iona's. Um, newsletter i think that's absolutely amazing for like just seeing what everyone else is up to um you can kind of get a good idea of what kind of trends are coming about in terms of like what reactives what kind of campaigns people are doing um definitely second one for tiktok like i'm a huge tiktok reactive like advocate i think mm-hmm. there's so much stuff on there that you can use for so many different niches um yeah i think they're probably my go-to sources now and i'd also say like looking at kind of the trends side of those platforms as well like pinterest trends um is a great source just to see like mm-hmm. what's coming up um especially if you have kind of like interiors fashion lifestyle clients um and then like on the flip side as well the tiktok trends um websites you can see like what kind of sounds are trending what 
kind of categories are on the rise. Yeah, really helpful tools Excellent. just to get an idea. And Sarah Jane, if people want to kind of keep in touch or kind of have a sense of some of the things you're up to, is there what's the record? Is uh, where do, I used to say what, what's your Twitter profile, but I feel like that feels like really like old fashioned now. Is yeah. Kind of the question. But like if people want to kind of keep up with uh, you know some of the bits that you've done or kind of be aware of your work, how would they do, go about doing that, Sarah Jane? Yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter, Sarah Jane PR. Um, I refuse to call it X, so still Twitter. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, just um, everything, kind of share everything through North. So We Are North um, is our agency website, and you can kind of see what we get up to there. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll drop that into the show notes for anyone who's yeah listening along now or watching along the video, and you should be able to find that, that below. And how about you, Cheryl? Yeah, probably best for me. I mean, I'm uh, very rubbish at posting on my own. Accounts. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an observer. Yeah. Um, so, IDHL social channels yeah. uh, always a good way to get in touch and, and keep an eye on what's happening. Excellent. Well, thanks so much. That I really took so much away from that. I'm sure all the listeners will have as well. So, thanks so much for your time on that side of things. And yeah, uh, thanks everybody for listening as well. And we will speak to you again soon. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Internet Marketing Podcast, produced by the team behind Brighton SEO world's largest specialist digital marketing conference covering seo ppc paid social web analytics and content marketing if you want to find out more about us and the show you can check out the website internetmarketingpodcast.org and if you've um, not already subscribed to the show you should hit that subscribe button and can i ask a favor if you are subscribed and you're enjoying the show can you leave us a review wherever you're watching or listening to the show and if you want to get in touch, um, become a guest on the show, or just generally feedback about what we're doing, you can always email me. That's kelvin at brightonseo.com. So K-E-L-V-I-N at brightonseo.com. Or of course, you can contact me on social media. So at LinkedIn or Twitter, uh, my usernames are Kelvin Newman. See you soon.